What's up, everybody? And welcome to another Boardroom Out of Office podcast. This is podcast number 17. And as you all know, if you're listening, I'm with my main man, Gianni Harrell. Gianni, how are you doing today, my brother? Man, I cannot complain. It is the days before Thanksgiving, you know, just locking in, getting some work done before family time. I feel you. What are you doing for uh, for holidays? I'll probably go over to my mom's, have a little small Thanksgiving because of pandemic, you know, things like this. But I'm excited. You? Me too. It's small Thanksgivings all around. I think these are these are some of the times where it does suck that you can't be with family, but there's also a part of all of us that are like, what's wrong with like two or three people doing nothing today, but eating, watching football and checking out. It's not bad. And you're with, uh, you're with the one closest to you. So sounds like a good time in, in, uh, in the works. I know for a fact that I will be glued in to this Cowboys Redskins game because in the NFC East, I'm a big giants fan. The giants (laughs) are, three and seven and we're a a game out of first place it's crazy and whoever wins this thanksgiving game between the redskins and cowboys will be in first place in the nfc east so i'm excited because i I tweeted this the other day too the giants are like i said three and seven um but they're in a divisional playoff race and in football if you can be in a divisional playoff race you'll take it especially when it's been a few years off do you have a football team bro we don't talk football you and i Mm, this year it's probably the Chiefs. I'm honestly, I'm gonna be straight up. I am such a bandwagon fan sometimes. Like if the momentum is moving towards one team and I see it, I'm just gonna be a part of it, bro. Yeah, I think I think there's a different generation now. I know there's a different generation now that roots for players over teams. It happens in basketball all the time. You see how fickle kids are. They're wearing like a Steph Curry jersey, and then it's a Kyrie Nets jersey, and then it's a Greek Freak jersey. When I was a kid, I wasn't taking my Knicks jersey off. And in football, too, like I'm not wearing another jersey besides a Giants jersey, but kids will wear Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. So you're a Chiefs guy now because they're dope. They're so – I mean, what's not to like? Tyreek Hill, Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. And, and then my second team would probably be the Buccaneers because that game last night was like, what the hell? Yeah, but let me – well, the Buccaneers were – what do you mean? They played like shit last night. I know, but they had so many weapons and so many opportunities to play so well. Oh, yeah. So many opportunities. Kelsey on the Chiefs, by the way, is a cheat code. Like, complete cheat code. It's like <laughs> when you were playing Sega Genesis as a kid and Deion Sanders. I mean, it's Kelsey gets open every time. Every single time. Every time. Same with Tyreek. Yeah. Yeah, but it's different. It's different. It's different. Um I won my fantasy football game. You know, as you know, I'm in this like I've been in this league for a long ass time. It's a pretty high stakes league. What are the stakes? The statement. I'm not going to tell the state, but it's it's more money than someone should put into fantasy football. But we started it 15 years ago, and it's incredible when you can keep a group of guys, girls, whoever's in your league for 15 years playing. We've all gotten really good at it, so it's like a lot of maneuvering. It's it's a lot of shrewd trades and drafting, a lot of shit talking. But when I first joined the league, I couldn't even afford the entry. I was like, by the end of the season, I was like, let me just figure out a way to get this entry. I just wanted to be down with the dudes that were in my league. Like that was part of my networking and business. I like gamble. I gambled <laughs> up. I tried to gamble up, but I knew I would get there. That was my mentality. I was investing in myself. Um, I didn't make all the smartest investments in terms of times I ran up my credit card and to be on a trip or go do something. But in general, I think the money that I invested was like, I looked at it as student loans, you know, and when I finally paid that off, it felt like student loans. Like I had invested in that time to get myself set in business. But back to the fantasy football, I won last night. I am two games out of first and the league, the stakes are high. It's a lot of people in my industry. Um, And it's just like, it's, it's an incredible way to check out from, everything and it's like one thing i know if you play fantasy sports universally people like see that as an escape you don't do fantasy at all right no no you're not i, I knew you weren't gonna do it i know you're a big sports <laughs> fan i knew there's there you're I, like i know your level of sports fan you know way more than i would assume you know but right when i'm about to give you so much credit for how much you know or how big of a sports fan you are i realize you're also like cool kid club kid hype beast on sunday afternoon you're not even focused all the time Right, I'm reading the headlines, but not the full second paragraph, you know? Yeah. You know, when I was managing Mark Ronson earlier in my career, um, I remember we were out at Lucky Strike in Soho. 
we used to eat there. We had a studio on Mercer Street, 19 Mercer. And crazy as shit in there. I mean, like looking back at that studio, by the way, Amy Winehouse was in that studio recording half of Back to Black. J. Cole was in there earlier in his career. Wale was in there. Solange. Um, we just had, we had in Mark, this writer, Andrew Wyatt, Santi Gold. We had an incredible, incredible setup. Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. I'm aging myself, but uh, my boy Amani, shout out Amani. He'll appreciate that. Um, but we went to this place, Lucky Strike, and I remember Mark said something to me. Like he used to get on me about when he didn't think I was paying attention to the music part of the music business, meaning I loved the deals. I loved making money and the people involved, but like I didn't love music in the music world the way I did sports. I didn't read liner notes on albums. So I was like talking to Mark and I was managing Mark and we had a label very similar to KD and I, um, in that I managed Kevin and then we have our company. But what happens with that role in business is you have to like be conscious of what hat you're wearing when. So it's like sometimes when I'm talking to Kevin, I have to remember that it's like not really up to me at that point, right? Like I'm his manager. But then when it's something related to our company, as you know, I'm going to tell him how I feel and we butt heads at times, but we always compromise and come to a certain place. And Mark and I had a similar dynamic, but earlier on in our lives, we're not as mature. So Mark would get mad at me a bit if I would be like, yeah, we have to do this for Alito Records. And he'd be like, but I'm building my career. And he was right because without his career, there was no label. Right. So um, I remember Mark said to me like, yo, we got to find out who played the live strings on so-and-so. And I was like, live strings? I thought that was a sample. And he was like, come on, man. <laughs> you gotta know that's not a sample bro those are live strings you gotta pay him and i'd be like come on man like i'd be like me saying to you like you should know where katino mobley went to college and he looks at me he goes university of rhode island oh shoot and i was like oh my god this guy just checkmated me like you gotta stay informed about everything and i honestly yeah. totally agree with that it's like my number one fear right now as i get older i turn 44 on friday november 27th um, is getting out of touch. As as I'm building this business, you see it 35, like aside from the fact that KD is 32, you're 25. I mean, most of our company is all young people. And that's crucial because as you try to build something that's supposed to connect with a generation that's younger, how can you build something and not understand what they like, what they don't like, what they're listening to, and for people like me who still think that they're like 20, you may take it for granted and not do the work and not look into it, right? Like, oh yeah, I know what's really happening. And then you look up, you really don't. So you have to stay glued. And you've told me that, like you've told me you got to go to these websites, you got to go to these apps. And um, I do that now. So like I've told my friends this too. What five websites or what's your go-to to keep you at 25 in touch, right? Like, I think that's cool for people to know, especially from you, because you have such an understanding, I think, of all the pillars of, like, quotes, culture, mm -hmm. music, art, fashion, sports. So what are your five websites you go to in the morning or throughout the day? Mm, I check Complex quite a lot. I check Hype Beast. I check Business Insider. I've recently started getting into the GQ digital site. And then like uh, there'll be an oddball, like maybe I'll check Architectural Digest every once in a while, or maybe I'll just like dive into another sneaker site. It all depends on whatever headline is going on with those top three sites. And so yeah, that's where I get that's where I get my news. You? Well, I you know, I'm heavy obviously on like Twitter and, and Instagram just for both I'm addicted to it and because it's like, it's my Bible right now. You know, I think my generation is Instagram, Twitter. I think the generation a little older than me is Facebook, Instagram, a little bit of Twitter, and then younger, Snapchat, Instagram, and then you can go TikTok, Snapchat, you know, like my daughter doesn't go on Instagram, but um, so I'm on social media and then I go to Hypebeast, I go to Complex, I'm all over um, ESPN, uh, but ESPN, the app, not obviously, I'm not on the web, but, um, and then now I'm getting into trading cards, man. I'm learning about it. I'm, I, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm really excited about this like boom in trading card world. I'm, I'm listening in, watching all these live breaks that they're doing. I'm talking to some of the big people in the industry, Dan Fleischman, what up to Dan Fleischman, coffee breakers, DJ Ski, Steve Aoki. Like I'm watching what a lot of these people are doing. And I'm learning about it. 
Um, so I'm starting to look in that world, fantasy, sports, that kind of, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the same shit. Like I look at the sneaker blogs, go to Nike all the time. See, there you go. You don't have to be worried. You're tapped in. Yeah, and I'm, I'm tapped in. I'm tapped in, bro. I'm around young people. Um, you saw the Grammy noms today, but today when I saw the Grammy noms come out, I did realize that like I'm not, I'm not all the way connected to music the same way I was obviously when I was in the industry. That's like a big goal for me this year. I know a lot of the, I know the young rap. Like I, I'm up on that. You know, you keep me and KD keeps me glued on that, but. Like let's go through the nominations right now. Let's look at this. Man. Let's do. Let's let let's start with best new artists and let's see how many of these people you know. Ready? Yeah, let's do this. Ingrid Andres. Nah, don't know her. Don't know her. Phoebe Bridges. Nope. Chica. Nope. Noah Cyrus. Yes. Yes, I like Noah Cyrus. Miley Cyrus's daughter, a uh, sister, sister. Exactly. Uh, D Smoke. No. <laughs> Doja Cat. Yeah. Doja Cat goes hard. She had a big year this year. Yep. K Trinata and Meg the Stallion. Megan, of course. K Trinata. No. See, that's what I'm saying. That's not. That's not good. I wonder who's gonna win this year. See, I need to look into this Ingrid Andres and Phoebe Bridges and Chica. They might have some fire music we don't know about. They might. I, I see. That's that's what I'm going to do this weekend. That's a that's a Thanksgiving assignment. I'm going to get caught up on that. I remember that the at least from my perspective, I always felt like best new artist is is really the award, right? Because the Grammys seem so political. Because it's like, and, I mean, everything's political, and the Grammys obviously would be no different. But clearly, like, it's all your opinion. I mean, it's what the Grammy Academy's made up of, and. Sometimes albums like Beyonce's album or Jay's 444 get overlooked and clearly they were the best album that year and it's insane. But when you look at best new artists, like just getting on the list is like an accomplishment in, okay, these people got big enough for us to now like put them officially on the map. And now fans alike have to dive in and see like who they start to see rising to the stop to the top, right? But like that's a big thing. That's where like the Adele's would come out and win, and Sam Smith, and it would always be like, okay, they're officially on the scene. Not enough rappers are in best new artist ever. I agree, and honestly, I think that whole category is kind of. I think they get it wrong, to be honest. Most years, I mean, like. I mean, Sam Smith should definitely win Best New Artist over Iggy Azalea, but like Macklemore winning over Kendrick Lamar or Ed Sheeran or Fun winning over Frank Ocean. Like, I can't get down with this. Like, Grammys, get get your system together. No, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I will tell you, though, from behind the scenes, and maybe, again, it's different. I remember when we were, when I would manage like Wale and and, and Solange, and then people would say to me like, if you want to get in the Grammy noms, like, gotta do the work, gotta show up to all the events. So I don't know if a lot of that is like the people that spend the year oh. spend the year really working it. But but come on, man, like it's about the albums that touch everybody, right? And a Frank Ocean album was transcendent. Like how he doesn't win Best New Artist. And did Macklemore really win Best New Artist over Kendrick Lamar? Or is that Best Rap Album? And Ed Sheeran. Best New Artist or Best Rap Album? Best New Artist. Wow. And then no disrespect to Bon Iver. He's a fantastic artist. But he won over J. Cole, Nicki Minaj, and Skrillex. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, it's that that's just that's broken so that's why for me i look at the nominations right and even in the nominations probably don't get it right all around but at least i know okay these are some artists that i should look for right those are artists that i'll like now search and and decide if i like them at all but i agree with you like the artists that come on the scene for me always in rap and by the time these nominations comes out those artists in their first year or their rookie year let's say have done so much more usually than artists from different genres exactly. they've built these incredible regional followings if you were an artist would you submit your album for a grammy consideration yeah yeah i mean it's an listen it's an institution it means something we wouldn't talk about it if it didn't mean anything it doesn't define who an artist is it's not the end-all be-all an artist shouldn't look at it and be like oh shit my career wasn't a success because i didn't win a grammy but yeah, for sure I would do it. So then why do you think a lot of artists in today's generation are not submitting their albums? 
Is that true? Yeah. Drake didn't submit his album. Little Uzi didn't submit his album. It's like a ongoing theme of artists not to submit their albums because of how they've been categorized before or them not winning. Well, I didn't know that. I Well, they didn't, you know, I know there's deadlines to submit. So if they didn't submit this year, but you're saying in general, they're chooses, choosing consciously to not submit an album. Well, I mean, I, 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 res- I respect that because the bureaucracy and bullshit is too much for people when it's their own art, right? Like I'm saying it because I'm not an artist, but if you put your own work into your craft and it's you're putting your own honest words out and then you're waiting on somebody to define it and judge it wrong, then yeah, you may have a different opinion. I get it, like pull out of the competition altogether. I saw Drake had um, a few noms for Laugh Out, Cry Later, but as an album, I get it. He was probably like, let me give you my, that single I put out, but like you don't need to hear the whole album or you don't get the album early for Grammy consideration because you guys are going to twist it up and do some bullshit and do something wrong anyway and not give me an award based on the fact that like I checked every box of what a Grammy album should look and feel like. And I think that's what goes missing with the Grammys is like, why don't these awards ever capture sometimes more than the music? You know what I mean? Like not that Frank Ocean's album wasn't better than what it lost to, because I'm sure it was. Obviously, it was. I've, you know, Frank's as good as it gets. But it's also like when you impact people in a certain way that is, a, it goes bigger than an album, right? Like the emotions, the 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 impact that of what your message was and what you stand for. Like that should all come into play. There are no awards that do that. The VMAs are, you know, that's not even real anymore. I love the VMAs, but you're so right. It's not what it used to be, and it hasn't been since, like, last time I saw, like, Miley Cyrus twerking on Robin Thicke, but, like, that whole, or the, Rihanna winning the Video Vanguard Award, like, those things, like, when Michael was doing it and performing, those things had real merit and real, like, it was an accolade, and I hope it still, it comes back to people caring about, well, people do care about their music videos and things like this, but just so that the the actual, the uh, competition stage, whether it be the Grammys or VMAs, really comes to prominence. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, I listen, I think that like something that's been around for that long, it's hard to just make a conscious decision to like unravel the meaning behind what that award is, right? Because yeah, 80 years, 100 years. So every artist we talk about, one way or the other, you go to their Wikipedia, people are listing Grammys, Grammys, Grammys. So, But Facts. you know, you're hoping that the Grammys will quickly, and if now, if it's not now, then when, quickly start to open their eyes to how they are as representative of the systematic issues in our country as anything, right? But you know what I just realized, Gianni? Tell me. We didn't even tell anyone listening why we don't have a guest this week. Oh, shoot. We have had a guest for all but one of our episodes for the first 16 episodes. That was when you and I spoke about the origin of the boardroom. And the reason why we did that episode that day was because Chris Bosch, who I don't know, but I respect, didn't come on the pod. Remember? Like, we didn't even know what happened, never showed up. I, again, doubt it was him. I bet it was a misunderstanding between management and he probably never even knew. But regardless, we now refer to that feeling when we're waiting on somebody to come onto the pod as being boshed, when the podcast becomes just you and I. And one way or the other, we were boshed today. We got boshed. But you know what? It's all good because I'm here with my main man. And our next guest that we're going to get is so fire that it's, it's a vibe. It's whatever. It is a vibe. Our next guest next week is uh, Curtis Martin, right? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly who it is. Is that what it is? I was thinking of somebody else, but yeah, we do have Curtis. Another crazy vibe because the guy's a successful businessman, obviously one of the best running backs of all time. But what we have decided to do, which you have to do in business, which is to pivot, to be able to detour, and we got to keep it moving. You know, I am, I am dead set as it relates to what we're building on just staying the course, committing to something. It's it's great when it happens quick. It's great in life when something happens overnight. 
When someone says to you it's not happening overnight, that's not true. Sometimes it happens overnight. In the viral world, sometimes it really does happen overnight. But you know what? Sometimes you got to work for it, man, and we're grinding away. So we're not going to miss a podcast because we got boshed. We're going to keep talking. But you know, the guest that boshed us today, and I'm not going to say his name, insanely successful entrepreneur, I'll say, because I don't want to give it away who he is, and he's going to come on the show again. But- When I saw him today and I saw the reason why we got boshed, which was that there was a scheduling mishap and we needed more time than he had allotted, it was kind of cool for me to see somebody so locked in because I've known him for a long time. And what I find really incredible is when somebody builds something from scratch, no matter what it is, no matter what they're building, could be a restaurant, could be a product, could be a show a platform an album piece of art a foundation but if you're building something and you see it grow and come to fruition and starts to be from five people 10 people 50 people you're busy two three four hours a day then you're eight hours a day and now you don't have to make calls people are calling you that's like that's what i get excited about that's what's the exhilaration of businesses. Do you know what I mean? Yep, 100%. So when I saw him today and it was like, I can't get to it, like I, I wish I had this amount of time, I'm looking at it like, nah, that's all right. I totally understand. Like your time is truly that important and it's not in a arrogant way like when you saw in the movies when like some successful businessman be like time is important you know time is money i can't be with you right now not on some bullshit like that on some like i'm really so busy because i built something so special that is in my dna and now my time is spent on it and i love it and that's when you're building something an entrepreneur the money's amazing but that's what you want that's the feeling like that feeling that journey it probably is tough um, I know it is firsthand, but I, I, I obviously don't know to the level of some of the people we've spoke to, but it also then probably loses some of its luster, you know, because the journey is so exciting. The feeling that someone does not mess with you. Like every time I've had a failure or something that, you know, you've seen it when we're in the office and someone tells us something's not happening that we were already checking the box on. That shit is deflating and then inspiring, right? Like you just pick back up and go, okay, what am I going to do now? You know, like that Rocky, right. that like Rocky Balboa type thing. Like you start seeing the medley of him driving and the inspirational music is happening. Like that's what we all do for ourselves. We all get ourselves like you have to or you just get defeated. You feel me? I feel you 100%, man. As we go into these holidays, man, and you start to prepare for the end of the year, in terms of where you're at in your life, what are some of the kind of goals at your age? Or do you think about this yet? Because I don't know if I thought about it at your age, about like, and I'm strictly talking professionally, right? Let's not get personal. Strictly talking professionally, and it may relate to some of your personal attributes, but strictly talking professionally, what are some of your goals for what you want out of yourself in the upcoming year? Or have you not thought about it yet? Because it's only Thanksgiving. Well, you kind of preach about it daily to the company. You know, you kind of want everybody to be entrepreneurial within the framework of the company and the setup and the organization we have going on. So obviously I've got my own entrepreneurial goals but i have a strong commitment to what we're building here at 35 ventures so overall i would definitely like to align and it's we have share the same interests you know restaurants hospitality things like this so overall i would like i would not us to pivot but add a vertical where hopefully something like this comes to fruition and you know if that takes time that takes time so that's definitely a goal of mine i like that being entrepreneurial within in infrastructure, to be clear to the to the audience, is what um, I always tried to create for myself everywhere I worked, which is that I know I have a job at hand. I know I have responsibilities. I have to be accountable. I have to be 
um, making deadlines, but it's okay to be ambitious because if you rip someone's ambition, they're not going to work hard and it's going to feel like they're a hamster in a hamster wheel. And I know that at least in our business, that can be demoralizing when you don't feel like there's somewhere to go. What am I building for? What is the journey that I'm going on for? And if you can't see that within a company and you're asking somebody to do that on behalf of you, you got to give them room to, to, to breathe. But my expectation, as I always say, though, is that let's finish our breakfast, to quote the great Sean Carter, and then get into your day right? Finish your breakfast, handle your work, do what you got to do, and then think and ideate and like, what can we do to build the business? Because if you know that you have no ceiling, you're going to build it within the framework of a team. Exactly. So clothing, something that I'm always trying to figure out as I do a little bit of stuff on air, right? For the boardroom and the boardroom only. Um, And I start to, you know, just focus on it more, which is whether you're dressing casually or you're dressing like formally, trying to up my game in terms of presentation, presentation, presentation. Something I learned a lot about at Rock Nation, just like how important that is, why I really wanted to get that new office for 35 Ventures, why I pay so much attention to our web properties and the social media, because that tells a story. Everybody's paying attention to the little things. You think they're not, endless people and people are paying attention to the little things they pick up on it and that says a lot about your brand so so to your point in addition i feel like if you are creating a brand in the in the modern era and you are not adding a lifestyle component to it you are completely just doing it wrong you are not catering to what the audience now is you know we want i feel like i don't know who said this but like you're a represent- representation of the dollars you spend. So if you want to... That's a great line. You know what I'm saying? So like I'm, I'm wearing a Ralph Lauren sweater right now because I like Ralph. I like the story behind Ralph. Ralph has turned into a lifestyle brand. So if you are, whether it's a sports business media company or something, you're in your dorm room working on beats, everything has to have a story. So I just need to make that clear as you bring up clothing. No, you're, bro, I think you're... That's spot on. You're wise beyond your ears to, wise beyond your years, not your ears, to, to realize that because it is about that. It's like creating those like mini stories within everything you do and those kind of mini challenges and mini reasons why. Like reasons why are important. Like at least as for me and you, I think you, you have that wisdom at a young age, which is like trying to give a little bit of a rationale for why you're doing certain things even if it's only important to you. You know, if someone says like, why are you spending so much money on sweaters? And you'd be like, well, that's like for me, in my head, the story I've told myself is like when I'm wearing this sweater, I feel right, people think I look good, people gravitate towards it, I'm comfortable, I'm at my best. Like other people may not feel that way. I think that I don't buy though, I. I'm calling bullshit though when people say like I'm comfortable looking like this. Like I'm good being a slob. I'm be like, nah, but you're not. Like you're not. You look crazy and no one no one else is comfortable with it, bro. And I don't care if you're comfortable inside with it. It's not gonna work. And there's you're hiding something with that, right? Like how you feel on the outside is I mean, how you look on the outside, I do think is reflective a lot. And it's not always about money. It's not about how much money you spend. It's about how much time you think about in terms of like, yo, I'm coming in the room be respectful, make eye contact, say what's up to people, ask them how they're doing, remember, put your phone down, you know, look clean and neat. Look like you're in, sure. in shape. Like it could be sweats. Like that's the best thing about today. It's like you've seen me, I go to meetings in full sweats and sneakers, but I look crisp straight up. Right. And it's also the way you could be if you're in a meeting full sweats, but you're the only person not on their phone asking the best questions, like clearly you're the one leading the conversation. No one cares what you're wearing. So I think it's a real testament how people carry themselves professionally. Yeah. No, 100%. And just presentation from top to bottom. So with that being said, I'm rocking Stone Island heavy. Give me five clothing lines now, 25 years old, that you're looking at. I mean, I'm rocking Ralph heavy. I'm spending way too much money at Dior. It's not okay. The new Dior kicks, insane. I need them in those lows, Brody. 
in the 13, my friend is actually the spokesperson for it. So I can send a, a quick little text. And everyone wants the high tops. I want the lows anyway. So I, I got you. Don't worry. Oh, the Jordan ones. Yes, the Dior Jordans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because they come out with new shoes all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. All right, go on. Um, Nike. Nike has... I was thinking about this other day. Nike has become like synonymous with like... It's the Louis Vuitton of sportswear. It's like straight up. It's like nice clothes and it's like it's it's high-end sportswear so definitely nike um sleeper for me is uniglo i wear mad uniglo and then my fifth my fifth i'm gonna go to this french brand called casablanca they make dope silk shirts casablanca Mm -hmm. i knew you were gonna say uniglo and the thing about nike is like how crazy that nike was already like as big as it gets then the whole world wants to wear sweats and now they're the dopest like fashion house on top of being the dopest apparel brand like it's crazy it's crazy because it's you're totally right because like in i feel like you know 2013 with the yeezy and the human made with pharrell like adidas was really having a moment and then 2015 came and virgil dropped the 10 and their partners with don c and like now travis or rosalia and drake like who they're choosing to partner with is really like they're 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 doing lifestyle branding to the max, one thousand percent, and they have all the money, and they have all the best athletes, and athletes are the most transcendent superstars and co relevant culturally, you know. So it's incredible time. I mean, I listen, Ralph is like again another testament. I don't want to keep fucking praising you, but another testament to uh, your coolness is like Ralph is a legacy brand, bro. Like the fact that like you just know that innately at a young age, like. Boom. Incredible. It's, you know, it's funny because I, I, when I find a brand that I like, I go so hard. Like, I don't even think twice about it. I think when you're a guy and you find a brand that fits you right, especially when you're a bigger dude, like you're not like a sample size, skinny ass, like medium. Like, who the hell's a medium, bro? I don't even know people that are mediums. But <laughs> I'm a medium. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, you know what I mean? In general, I don't know many mediums. So it's like when you find a brand that fits right, you got to stay with it. You got to lock all the way in on that brand. So I'm locked all the way in on Stone Island right now, all the way in on Stone Island. And I have been a little bit in drips and drabs with this winter, especially because like so few places to go. I'm just, I'm in all, I'm in all Stone Island. You know, I think that what I'm trying to figure out with all these brands and the future of like media and how, at least it seems to me that like it was clearly moving fast to being all digital media and all about streaming services and on your mobile device. Now it's more than ever. It just like expedited it. So what stands out to me is brands. And I've been harping this, right? So from the boardroom, I think we've created a cool brand, but I don't, we don't have a massive audience yet and we're trying, but I know what it's going to take to get there. I don't know if we're going to get there, but we're going to keep building this shit. But when I look at a company like Stone Island, right, you have an opportunity when you've created a brand like that to introduce so many other verticals because there's really nothing you can't do in your consumer's eyes. You just have to be so conscious that you don't affect the core business. So Stone Island can't create content or ancillary products or anything like that if it's going to compromise what they've built or they've had for X amount of years. I mean, Stone Island's been around for a long time. I think it's just had a resurgence now, which happens mm -hmm. a lot. That's what's so amazing about fashion, I think. But it's brands that have to stick out. Like, so if you believe in a brand, you'll believe almost anything you get from them. Whereas on the internet, everything is there. So what does it matter if your content is wild? I saw a man rip a King Charles Cavalier out of the mouth of an alligator <laughs> with his cigar in his mouth the whole time, went underwater to get it, and then was interviewed on TV, cool as shit, just like, I had to go get my dog, you know? And I'm sitting there like, nothing is too crazy. Our president is the in most insane of all. So we're so desynthesized to all of the wildness that how do you break through it all brand so i see a lot of these athletes clearly 
But why not more and more of these fashion companies too? I can create a brand. I'm Stone Island, right? Right. Yeah, I hear you. And I think it all comes from storytelling, like you just said. Yep, it's through storytelling. It's funny, whenever you hear about these brands that have been around forever, Chrome Hearts, et cetera, it's always like a Jay-Z or someone like that that was rocking it back then. They just know. That's why they're they're fresh. They're ahead of the game. They don't mind taking a chance on something if other people don't necessarily know what it is. Um, so I I was thinking about this the other day. This list may not be the same list for everybody. Who do you think are the five most famous Americans in the world? Five is a lot. Can we do two? We'll do three. Let's compromise on three. But here's the thing. You can't say like Donald Trump. I, let me not say famous. I want the three most influential people within. All right. So total new question. Total new question. Three most influential people across all of these sectors, sports, fashion, entertainment, music. So it's four. So the four most powerful people across entertainment, music, sports, and fashion. Okay, I'll go first. But what I'm going to say to you is some of them transcend to other categories. So for that sake, though, I'm only going to mention them in one category. All right. Okay. So, for sports, I'm going to say LeBron. He just is. For entertainment, remember, I'm going to say some people can be in two categories. I'm going to say music, and I'm going to say entertainment. Entertainment, I'm going to go Bob Iger. Music, even though it transcends way beyond music in terms of just overall power, I'm going Jay-Z, Drake, Ty, Beyonce. Beyonce, Jay-Z, Drake. Oh, man, I, this isn't right because I went Beyonce, Jay-Z, Drake. I'm going to go Jay-Z and Beyonce. I'm going to go Beyonce just to I'm gonna say Beyonce. And then fashion, last one. I'm going to say Virgil, I guess. I like your list a lot. Um, I'm going to challenge you a bit just because I don't want to say the same people you said as well. But I do agree. I think LeBron, between LeBron and Ronaldo, I do think Ronaldo's bigger, but LeBron is more influential, to your point. I agree. Um, I also said America. Oh, you said America. Oh, all right. Fashion, I'm still going to give it to the go Anna Wintour. I do completely think she moves the needle. Still like that? 100%. Okay. Entertainment, just because you said Iger, I'm going to say Bezos. Um, and then uh, music, I'm giving it to Drake. Okay. Fantastic questions, though. Yeah, that was pretty cool, man. Oh, I kind of want to know what other people think. I know. I would like to know what other people think. I would, but we can't. We can't do that. We can't find out what other people think. I know the other day we had a cool list with Kevin. We were on the set of the Degree commercial. We were in the trailer, and we were talking about five, the best five rappers in terms of their voice sounding like butter, butter flow. Any beat, any time, anywhere, their voice connects, and it's just like butter. So we were with Biggie, Jay-Z, Ross. I said Jadakiss, Drake, we said. But you know what I realized? I asked this to somebody older. I asked this to somebody older, and they said that I shouldn't count Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, Karis One, Cool G Rap, and I agree because, I mean, Rev Run, they were all in pocket heavy ll early ll but i'm talking about like timeless butter anytime any generation it sounds like tribe called quest to me yeah but nah bro fife could not i love fife and q-tip is a friend of mine q-tip's butter but the thing is it's talking about any flow of q-tip's voices was insane is insane always for sure but i'm gonna spare listeners what you said tell them well you said gonna Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's frame it frame it properly. I said, just on the topic of butterness, flowiness, riding a beat over a track, gonna. And then my second was... Jermaine Dupree. We were about to... Jermaine Dupree. Like, I don't, I'm still like, I almost don't want to talk to you ever again. Like, I still don't even understand that. Like, I need everybody listening to go back and listen to Jermaine Dupree's top five hits because they are fire and underrated. No, you're wrong. 
Agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. Wait, what are we disagreeing on again? You don't think Jermaine Dupri is butter? I think he's butter as an artist and as a uh, entrepreneur and as like a moment. Like he was that dude. He was that dude. But let me tell you something. He's not one of the five butterest flows of all time. Um, let's talk sports for one second. All right. There's some people I want to just talk about that I think are moving the needle in sports business right now that I think are in- important for us to talk about. One of them is my man, Joe Pompliano. Joe Pompliano started a Twitter. He started a newsletter. He actually shouted out my pod the other day. It's not why I'm shouting him out. But um, I've been saying for a long time, which is why we created the boardroom um, and why we're ultimately going to have a success with this platform, is that sports business is pop culture, bro. It's not just concession stands, info, and naming rights of stadiums and ratings on games sports business is about athletes off the court and what they're doing and what they're building and what they're doing in the community and every athlete is such as not every athlete i can speak to a large percentage of athletes are astute business minds building these companies and building these investment vehicles and building sneaker brands and investing in technology and creating shows and EPing shows and building community centers and building schools and giving back, giving back. And all of that is like compelling, incredible content for sports fans that can never get enough, can never get enough. Sports fans can never get enough content, bro. They never can get enough about sports. Athletes, it could come in the form of gaming, it could come in the form of gambling, fantasy, but we are explaining it all. We're only two years old and we're building it. And my man Joe does a good job of giving business headlines in the tone that I like to see. Um, Front Office Sports is a great blog. But enough. Those are all competition. I don't want to keep talking about them. I mean, that competition. Yeah, I'm like, I only get my sports from the boardroom.tv. I don't even know what you're talking about. No, that, I'm with you. But, bro, you know what? You got to, it. like, of course, of course. I'm with you on that. But shout, you're right. Shout out to Pompliano. He's doing things. Yeah. And, and, and what I mean by it is that, like, all of this helps. We're all building a market. That's like, if the more of us there are, the more there's a market. It's niche until there's more people in it. And it's not as niche. Man, it's good when we don't have a guest, bro, because it's similar to our days on the calendar when we don't have meetings. We don't have calls. And I, I say, you. and I say to you, this is perfect because I can think about what we're gonna build. Like I do know that if you're building your business or if you're hustling or you're in college, I did a boardroom university the other day with Mark Lazary, and somebody asked him what his advice is to young people in terms of breaking through in the job world right now. And he was like, hard work, hard work, hard work. He is one trillion percent right. But I do think that part of hard work is not always about filling the calendar up with times, calls, meetings, interviews. Think. Spend time thinking, creating, using that time to build something of value. Like you cannot say to somebody, I've been unemployed for a few months. Now, mind you, I, I'm talking about young people because talking about people that necessarily have family support that's a different animal i'm talking about young people that are like i'm trying to get in the sports world it's like well what are you doing oh, i'm sending my resume out going to interviews but bro in the meantime think work create something i was always creating something even if no one ever saw it i wanted to build i wanted to start a restaurant i wanted to start a, a lounge i made business plans i made sweatshirts t-shirts it was whatever. It was a waste, right? But it wasn't a waste. I was learning shit and I was putting it in front of people. So, you know, I think that these conversations like you and I are having now when we don't have a guest is good because this is this is exactly what it is, man. Sometimes just freestyling and, and, and we're not freestyling, but sometimes like freestyling in the in the form of talking about things that are important in your world and ideas come from that. For sure. I mean, these conversations definitely help me. I hope they help others too.
Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's about listening in. You know, it's like, it. I think it's helpful for people, but I also think it's about listening in. And, you know, I know that I listened to a lot of interviews when I was a kid. You didn't get as much as you can now, but I would read the sports section daily, um, as soon, you know, watch post-game and pre-game on shows and would just get information and information and information. And those kind of conversations were great. I used to love sports radio, though, because I could listen in and, you know, I would find it soothing, to be honest with you, because I was like listening in to conversations and just picking things up from them. And these guys, with all due respect to some of these like New York City talk show sports hosts, they weren't dropping jewels, right? It was, but it was just like you get a seat at the table when you get to have an informal conversation that people can listen in on a bit. And I think that's the nature behind a lot of our content all around as it relates to the boardroom because we're not necessarily breaking down the x's and o's um and the minutiae within the business but what we're doing is giving you information and access and a seat at the table to now take with you to all the other parts all the other people that are giving you maybe more factual information x's and o's right but this is real shit this is really what goes on and this is how i got into it i was so lucky man let me tell you something like we talk about this a lot we've both been blessed um to be around some people that we've been around in our lives that have changed the world in one way or the other right when you can listen to those conversations you can learn so much by mannerisms by how they answer people all the things we referenced earlier right it's not to say you and I are those people for other people to listen to, that's for other people to judge, but I know our guests have been, right? And I know conversations like this can be for people. 100%, my brother. So, you know, I, I, think, I think we have a lot of stuff that we could cover. Um, one more thing I wanna get off my chest to, to kind of talk to you about is this new generation, okay, I've heard a lot about sports ratings being down and um, it's a fact and people aren't watching games live, highlights, mobile device. Sports doesn't seem to be getting any smaller, clearly, right? So, your fan, your friends, who I think some of them are probably sports fans, some more than others, are they not Friday night like making a plan around a game anymore or Saturday or whatever it is? Or is it just about keeping up to speed on what's going on? I think it's about keeping up to speed. I think the actual hangouts around sports are definitely dwindling unless it's like the Super Bowl or like even... If Serena was in the finals, I think a couple of my friends would link up to watch it now that I think about it. I think it's all dependent, but to your point, it's just about staying in the loop. Because I have friends that we were talking about football yesterday. They're like, ah, yeah, we in the playoffs yet? I'm like, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, well, this year's an anomaly anyway. I think this year has been hard for people to fully lock in. And if you do, it's a great distraction. If you don't, you know, I understand because there's just so much going on that it's like fully hard to, totally hard to fully commit. Um, but, you know, I'm interested because I do think that the viewing experience on your mobile device has to continue to evolve and get better. Um, it's incredible, but it's got to get better and more accessible. I think some things technology-wise are still so easy to navigate, and then some things are so hard, and it's like so arbitrary. You know what I mean? Like at this point, like why I just want to watch the game on my phone. And then if that's the case, I'm cool if there's a new community or a certain way in which I have to enter watching that game or content around it I have to consume or, you know, and I and I think it opens up so many more opportunities too. I think there can be a different experience and, and analysis you get from watching the game on TV and then a whole different experience and analysis you get from the game watching it on your phone, different people speaking to you. Um, but it's it's definitely the way of the future. I find myself, even somebody older and totally just conditioned to watch the game on TV and a sofa, make an experience about it. Even I am on my phone now, you know, and then I'm on my phone during the game. So it's like 
at that point, the entire experience could live on my mobile device is what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm interested to see. And I think for us, it's good information because as we continue to build the boardroom out, how we create things exclusive for just mobile device, right? How do content platforms create things exclusive for mobile device? For sure. And I think VR is definitely going to play a big part in the future of sports. I think 50 years down the line, I see us watching a football game from the perspective of the actual player. Yeah. I Oh, yes, for sure. Like body cam type shit. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think and I think it'll be it won't be for everyone. So there'll be different views and different ways in which you can watch a game and consume a game. Um, and now that fans won't be in the stands for a little while, it's like teams have to figure out. And I think the NBA especially is giving teams new opportunities to generate revenue, new new revenue streams. So by doing that, you know, I think just camera angles, right? Like packages that a team can, or a, a league can sell to somebody. Like you can download the package, you can download the body cam package and you can watch a game from their point of view. You know, all that will happen. I think it's gonna speed up tremendously now that clearly people have to reach for these different ways to make money with the losses in, in, in fans and ticket sales and concessions, et cetera. Um, it's gonna be really interesting. I'll tell you though, final, final thing, one way or the other, though, December 22nd, if the NBA starts and Kevin Durant is back in the court, I am going to be one psyched up mother. You know what I'm talking about, bro. I miss watching <laughs> my boy play basketball, bro. Yeah, it's like poetic, to be honest. He's literally, he's the greatest offensive player ever. And that's, not, I mean, his defense is fantastic, too. But his offense is just that more unreal. He's insane. And he's healthy. And, you know, I just, just want him. Be happy, healthy. Just, I've learned how to pray more than ever, bro. I'll tell you that much. Um, all right, well, podcast seventeen. I'm excited, and I know people hated on us counting them off in the beginning, but for me, that was our way of gauging how far we've come. And um, do people hate on you counting it? No, I don't. I just like to build up these storylines. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know what you mean. Nobody's hated on it. It would have to be a real dick to hate on that. Um, but appreciate it, bro. Hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving that's listening. You know, and keep downloading our podcast, everybody, man. Have a good um, rest of your day, Gianni. It's been fun. And um, the cool thing about our relationship is I'll call you an hour about something totally unrelated to the pod, man. Totally expecting it and ready for it. All right, man. Later, everybody!